I'd like to welcome everybody to our services. Welcome to each and every one. We have a lot of guests, a lot of different family members that are here. We're thrilled to see you, thrilled to have you. Make yourself at home in a minute. We'll just have a chance to, you know, to everybody kind of mill around and, and shake a hand, get a hug, and looking forward to it, looking forward to a good day in the Lord. Uh, just a lot going on. We've got a lot to take care of, just uh, getting to hear some good singing, uh, some good worship. So just worship our risen Savior. He is a risen Savior and that's who we're here to give all honor and praise to. In a minute, we're going to have the young people get up, remember them, and then the choir is going to do their thing, remember them. Remember our church, we have an up-and-coming uh, revival uh, in May the 22nd, so not very long off.
Here's a word you can take to heart and depend on. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. He left the beauty of heaven and came down to us. He came to live in a sinless life, to die on the cross in our place and rise again. He came to save us from our sins. Hallelujah. Let us say that the Lord our God is with us. He is mighty to save. righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed him should not perish but have everlasting life. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us.
forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again.
He is our King, our Savior King. There is none beside Him, there is none above Him. He and He alone is King, the King of salvation. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so much that you would send Jesus to save us. Lord Jesus, you are King. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. Thank you for your victory over sin and death when you rose to life again. We celebrate you. We praise you, our Savior, our King. Amen.
She traveled many miles, was going to have a child, and knew that life would never be the same. She laid that precious child in a manger all the while, crying out, Jesus is his name. And everyone around began to say, listen to the heartbeat, such a special heartbeat, sounds like none I've ever heard at any other time. Listen. different heartbeat every beat just seems to be the hope of all mankind soon he was a man and with words of life began walking shores of Galilee that day he cleansed lives of their sins and the blind could see again the lame could walk the dumb could talk and everyone would say listen to the heartbeat such a special
ask, would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Father, as we bow before you, realizing that you are alive today, everything that we do should honor you in every aspect of our life. Father, I pray that you would just anoint this service with your Holy Spirit. May your Holy Spirit be in control. Father, that our hearts would focus on you and your word. Father, I thank you for the blessing of salvation. I thank you for loving us in spite of our faults, in spite of our failures, in spite of our weaknesses. Father, thank you for forgiveness of sin. Father, I pray that you would help us to live for you each and every day. That we would lift up your name. Father, I thank you for this time we have together this morning. To give you this praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The book of Mark, chapter 16, as you find your place there. Just covering verses 1 through 8 this morning on the greatest day in history. I think about a lot of things in this life. The, the birth of my children, or whenever my children were saved, what a great day. The day that I asked Karen to marry me and she said yes. The day of our wedding, so many great days in each of our lives, but the greatest day in history is the resurrection of the Savior. When Jesus Christ rose from the grave, even then, the church that was in existence, the church that Jesus organized, the disciples, the apostles, they didn't understand it all. And my prayer is is that if you don't understand about what Jesus did for you, that before you leave this room, your life can be changed this morning. Before you leave this room, you can have forgiveness of sin, a brand new beginning, a fresh start. You can know that you're going to heaven. I asked somebody this week, do you know when you die, are you going to heaven? Just just a simple reassurance. In Mark 16, verse 1, the Word of God says this, And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. If you compare this scripture to the end of Luke's account, and I've never, you know, I was thinking back, 
I don't think I've ever preached Mark's account of the resurrection. If you compare it to the others, it's very fast-paced and very concise. In Luke 24:10, the Word of God says, It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and other women that were with them. So we know, we've identified some of these women here. That was there, and I think about how God used women here at the tomb. And how that God used, you know, in the Bible days, uh, we had to have a constitutional amendment for women to vote. This is way before then. Used to, I mean, obviously, uh, society shows us that men have always had the, you know, the, the forefront and that women have been, so to speak, uh, lesser subservient than the men. That's, of course, not was not God's intentions. He intends for the man to provide the spiritual and physical leadership of the home. And that was it. And uh, because of the God making the woman, according to the Bible, the weaker vessel. And that doesn't mean uh, less intelligent or less this. But God chose to make her... In her own unique way, guess who God chose to have the leadership, the forefront. And I think he, he was very, God was very intelligent, obviously, knowing what he was doing. And they could have said, well, there was some guys making up a story about the resurrection of Jesus. But guess who came up with this great announcement as we look on down the line what's going to happen he chose some very faithful women now why did he do that well to prove that number one that he could use somebody that was maybe not as looked up to maybe that their role was lesser maybe that they uh just uh in humility serving the lord but in their faithfulness they went to the tomb. And so, folks, it doesn't matter this morning if you're a man or a woman. What God wants is your faithfulness. The Bible says, who can find a, woman, a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. If you want to know where that is, just look in Proverbs 31 later. Who can find a virtuous woman? You know what that means? It just means a, a woman who serves the Lord. Can you be that mom, that wife, that grandparent today that says, I'm going to serve the Lord no matter what happens. I'm going to serve the Lord no matter what comes my way. So it doesn't matter this morning, you know, if you're old, young, uh, male or female, can I say, I'm going to serve the Lord no matter what, even if I don't understand why or how or what. So we know who these women were. The great surprise is when they got to the tomb, still in Mark 16, <clears throat> it says that, uh, if you compare this, that it says in one gospel, it says that it was still dark. But if you notice the end of verse 2, it says, at the rising of the sun. Now, if you leave Bethany, which is probably where they were, 
and you're going to Jerusalem, it probably was dark when they left. They get there and the sun's beginning to come up. So the gospel's harmonized. A lot of people try to make them not. But anyway, let's look at verse 2 and two through 4 real quick. And it says, And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, which is still Sunday, by the way, that's why we have church on Sunday, because that's the day of the week that Jesus arose from the grave. They came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. If you just back up a little ways to Matthew chapter 28, they have what we call a great surprise. They have a great problem. Folks, all of us are going to have huge stones that seemingly we cannot move. There's going to be huge stones that come come in in our life and and we won't understand how in the world am I going to get around this problem, through this problem, over this problem. How how can I do this? Matter of fact, that's what they were saying. Man, oh, did y'all remember? There's a big old stone in front of the tomb. How are we going to look? How are we going to take care of this? But they found it already rolled away and Matthew's account tells us how it happened. In Matthew 28, verse 2, again, if you compare this, you see who's there again. That's verse 1. Verse 2 says, and behold, there was a great earthquake. So right before, ever how long before, doesn't matter. Those women got there. Look what happened in verse 2. A great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. And his countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for the fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men, which means they passed smooth out. Now, I can relate to that. I've done that before. Uh, just Google vasovagal response. <laughs> I've got it. Got it from my dad. And uh, it's a mild form of shock. But anyway, when you have a huge stone dilemma, problem, situation, whatever, and you feel like you can't move it. Matter of fact, most of the time there's a lot of stones in in our life, so to speak, difficulties, hurdles, ever what adjective or noun you want to use. And oh my, I don't know. And I don't. People come to their preacher, and I wish I did. If I can find the answer in the Bible, I can find it. Brother Ed, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm finding. But you know what my Bible just told me right then? God moved the stone. Which means God can move, remove, remove our problems, our hurdles, our difficulties, our whatever it may be. God is saying, I need your help to move this problem. Oh, by the way, you know, God didn't uh, move the stone to let Jesus out. He moved the stone to let us see that he's already gone. <laughs> That's cool. That's awesome. He, he moved the stone so we could look in. Because he's already risen from the grave. And folks, I, I, I don't have all the answers. I, I feel like I, I mean, I, it tears me up when I can't solve a problem. 
But I know God can. He can. God removed the stone. If we go back to Mark 16 and continue along the story, verse 5. Well, they got there. The door's open. What does it say now? And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man. This is another one of those angels. Now, depending on which commentary, Bible scholar, Bible student you read after, they, there's at least three angels there. And, you know, maybe God put them different ones. It could have just been two, but we know we've seen two side by side here. Sitting on the right side, clothed in long white garment, and they were frightened. I would be too. Never have seen an angel while I'm alive. Not been dead than Noah. Yeah, not that I know of. And uh, what does it say now? And he saith unto them, who said it? The angel. Be not affrighted, don't be afraid. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was, past tense, crucified. He is risen, that's present tense. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him as he said unto you. I've got three quick points under this one. You ready? First of all, in looking at this heavenly messenger, God always has a message at the right time. You may think, I just haven't heard from God. God hasn't spoke to me. Somebody will call. Somebody is praying. Somebody right now for you and your life that you don't even have a clue. Somebody's praying for you and you may not even know their name. I know especially we have church members. Thank you, Brother Herbert, Brother Henry. Others in the past, my goodness, Brother Pete, just so many have had situations. There, I, I mean, if I listed everybody, I'd list half the church have had things come up. And these folks you don't even know are praying for you. God will give you the strength you need to get through whatever it is. And so he sends the messenger. He says, don't be afraid. How many of us, God can tell you not to be afraid, but you're still going to be afraid. Or, listen to me, I mean, this. the older I get, the harder time I have with this. I can read God's Word over and over. And you know what it says? Don't worry. But guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to worry anyway. You say, well, that's a lack of faith for the pastor. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm going to worry. I give it to God, but it seems like I want to put a leash on it and don't want to let it go. But he told these women, don't be afraid. It was a great message. He was crucified. Now he's risen. And what's the next point? You know what he says? Go tell the disciples. And if you look at John's account, they came... John and Peter came running back. And then Mary was still hanging around. That's when Jesus appeared to her. 
That's a whole other gospel account. But Mark's, I mean, man, it just flies. He even briefly mentions the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And a bunch of other things that happen. But the point is, I want to make one quick point about this before I move on. Why did the angel single out Peter? Have you ever thought about that? I know some of you have. What I mean, it'd be kind of like me saying, man, I've heard some good news. Go tell everybody at Promised Land. And tell Brother Herbert too. Why, why Peter? Most, a lot of you know. Some of you may not know. Peter had publicly, you know, not privately, not between him and somebody else, not, not just amongst the disciples, but Peter had publicly denied Jesus. And he was ashamed. You know what the Bible says about him? He went out and wept bitterly. Folks, if something's burdening you, it's for a reason. And go out. Just poured out to God. Weeping bitterly just means I'm remorseful. I'm sincere. There's no there's humility there. He says, I don't care about what people think. I'm sick and tired. How many of you just sick and tired of trying to say I'm I'm trying to impress people? I'm trying to think of of, of, of just all I need to do is just God, what do you want me to do? Get things right with God this morning. And, and hey, listen, not yet, but in a minute we're going to have a hymn of invitation. This is Easter, the last Sunday in April. Some of you are already praying and thinking about revival. Some of you mentioned it so much. And you're already praying about it. Folks, let, let's, let's pour it out on our to God. I'm not worried about that. Anything else, the, 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 whatever curveball Satan has thrown your way, say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. We're going to open up the altars here in a little while, and all that means is you can pray in your seat, and I think prayer is good no matter where you pray, but there's something about saying it doesn't matter if there's a thousand people here. I need Jesus. We need revival. He is alive, and I want to live for Him. Tell the disciples and tell Peter also. If you need a special word of encouragement this morning, God has it for you. But just receive it from Him. That's all. Receive it from Him. The last verse is very, very important. Whenever I was looking at this and looking and praying and praying, I said, what do I want to cover Sunday morning, April the 24th? I think that's what it is. But anyway, Easter morning, what do I want to cover? Man, I was looking at the whole chapter, but you know what? I said, I, I got a key in on verse 8. You know why? Because I'm guilty of it and so are all of us. If you're saved, you're guilty of it. It says that... Uh, they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher. And they trembled and were amazed 
Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. I've got a friend of mine in Texas. He, he, and I think about when I think of him, I think about Peter. What was the apostle Peter famous for? Uh, just blurting out, just blah, just roam. But he was so brazen, and it was just his nature, though. We would pick at him about it, pick at him about it. He grew up in Anderson County, Texas. Just a country boy, wore overalls everywhere he went. Right before God called him home, he finally became brazen for the Lord. And that was cool. You know what he told me one day at the altar when he met me down here? Not at the church I was pastoring. There was a preacher. His name was, matter of fact, he's still there, Bill Kirkendall. Preached a kind of revival slash church growth seminar. And uh, Bill Kirkendall told a story about uh, this family who lived beside the church. This church was very, very comfortable. Our church and every other church in the whole world, you, you're doing one of two things. Either A, we make, uh, we make ourselves comfortable and we don't want anybody to intrude on it. Or B, church members, we don't care about making ourselves comfortable, but we want to make our guests comfortable. A church is either doing one of the two. It's either making itself comfortable or it's making others feel comfortable when they come in. It's one of the two. A church is either going to be in one direction. Now, it doesn't qualify everybody, but the church as a whole. But anyway, Bill Kirkendall was telling the story about this family, very, very poor family who lived either next to the church or two doors down from the church. And there was this nappy-headed, snot-nosed, running down the face of this little boy, and he had dirt on him and snot in his hair and snot everywhere else. And just, I mean, just a regular, I mean, just, you know, all boy. But he was never invited to church. Finally, one day, that church got a new pastor. And the new pastor motivated just a handful, because that's all he could get, church members to invite just a few people. Has anybody ever been to that house over there? And he wouldn't move till the people responded. And finally, somebody said, Preacher, we've never been over there. They, they, after ten minutes of preaching, you know what he did? He said, let's say amen and let's all go over there. They dismissed church and the whole church went over there. The snotty little boy ended up getting saved. His name is now Bill Kirkendall, the pastor at Henderson, Texas. And when Bill Kirkendall came and preached our revival... And shared the story. God broke my friend. Who's always so brazen about everything but Jesus. 
It became brazen for Jesus. What did that last verse say? It says, they told no man why. You can reread it ever how you want to. They were afraid. And I know they were afraid of, for their life. A lot of them were hiding for their life. Folks, and I want to tell you, first off, your pastor, your pastor, Brother Michael, I've been afraid. I still am, but I always hope that God would give me the courage to do the right thing. Matter of fact, God had to use persecution to get them to spread the gospel. And they spread the gospel even with persecution. Maybe you know some little boy that you've seen that you say, well, I don't know. Poor fellow, we need to pray for him. Or maybe we need to go speak to him. I don't know. There's people in your life that I'll never reach and people in my life that I'll never... It takes all of us. I got so thrilled the other day when I got a phone call from actually three people. That was Jimmy and Avery and Pam. And that Pam had led her granddaughter to the Lord. And just, you can lead people to Jesus. You can lead people to Jesus. Even if you're afraid, let's say something, tell people about Jesus. I, I have been and still am. I still try. I still fail. still mess up. He is risen. He is alive. Let's tell people about him. As we prepare for a hymn of invitation, Jesus is alive. He loves you very much. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Father, I pray that you would just help us this morning to just fall on our knees before you. Realizing that you are an awesome Savior. Thank you, Father, for loving us even when we let you down. Father, just like you gave encouragement to Peter, I pray that you would encourage us just to have that little extra word in Jesus' name. Amen.